Good evening, everyone. Now you know I'm going to ask you to come forward. We're going to have a hymn sing a little bit later on, and you will feel like you're singing a solo if you're scattered. So um, in just a moment, whenever we, uh, we sing right after this, then um, please come forward as far as you would like, and um, we'll, have a, uh, we'll have a great time together that way. Uh, by way of announcement tonight, not going to make anything really. Uh, read the bulletin and make sure. And also don't forget that this time next Sunday evening we'll be starting Sunday night electives. Let's stand together. 220, all three stanzas in the choruses. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living whatever men may say. I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. He lives, He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives. Salvation to Ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. In all the world around me, I see his loving care. And though my heart grows weary, I never will despair. I know that he is leading through all the stormy blast. The day of his appearing come at last. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within So Christian, lift up your voice and sing Eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King The hope of all who seek Him, the help of all who find None other is so loving, so good and kind He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. You can be seated. We have a great treat for us right now. Maria Guzmo is going to be coming and sharing what the Lord's doing in her work in ministry. So if you want to come up right now and uh, let me give you a little heads up in a while, you'll get a chance to ask for your favorite hymn, but it will cost you. It'll cost you your favorite verse or particularly even an Easter verse later. So you can be thinking about that verse. You share the verse, then you get a verse of your hymn that you'd like to sing. Is that clear? Be sharing a verse from the scripture and then we'll sing a verse from the song. So be thinking about that. Maria, welcome. Good evening. Oh, it's all right there. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be back here and see you and talk a little bit about what God is doing in Brazil and also be able to thank you for being partner in this ministry. Okay? All right. Um, I will give you a little idea of what's happening in Brazil. And I'm, I work with five missionaries with me and a group of volunteers. And what we do in Brazil, we have our office that we rent. And we have some people that work in the office with us. Praise the Lord for their lives. And we have um, a, a ministry that we do in a very awake city area of my city, I would say, in my state, okay? So we have a doctor that comes, 
and twice a year at least, and we travel to this place. It takes about eight hours, nine hours, ten hours, depending on the city we go. And it, it is always a very poor city. They don't have uh, medical assistance in this place. So the people come to see the doctor and they bring the kids. And when they come, we have the opportunity to tell them about Jesus. They are very poor people. Some of these people live, live a really hard life. Okay, they don't have water. Sometimes the water they drink is unbelievable that you would never drink, but that's what they have. But God has been good to these people, and many of them had come to know the Lord. This is an Indian church that we have that place. It's called Sertão. And at that time, we went to this church. And every time we go, and all the people that accept Jesus, we give the name to the church so the pastor can do the discipleship with the kid, with the people. And also, we work with the kids. And then we have the pastor's conference that we do to help the pastors Always with poor people, we always, God has put in our heart the desire to help these poor pastors that have no opportunity to go to a conference. And then we have the camp ministry. I'm going a little fast, so I don't want to go over the time. Uh, we have camp in January and July, and I invite you to come, be part of this camp, and help us because we need your presence. This is the Pro Kids Camp that we have. And we have also camp for little kids, 7 to 13. And we have camp for teenagers and the English camp. And that's when I need you the most. This is the teenager camp, Teens from the Slums, okay, that I call Pro Kids Camp. So these kids, they come from the slums, and they spend the week at the camp. This is the English camp, some of the English people and some of the Americans who came to the camp. So talking about a little bit about the camp... This is food time for the poor kids camp. This is the best time they have during the day because they love to eat, okay? Of course, we help these kids to learn many things that they don't know. For example, some of these kids don't even brush their teeth, okay? They have, many of them don't have parents that will teach them how to do it, even though those who have parents, they still don't know much about life or how to, you know, live how they should. So we bring these kids to the camp and we have a week with them. We teach them the Bible. We teach them about um, drugs. We, te we teach them about prostitution, all kind of things that you can imagine. Those are the most important things they need to learn because that's what they face in slums. Also, of course, we have sports too so they can have fun. But the goal of the camp all the weeks is really to bring them to Jesus. This guy down here, you can see his name is, um, I forgot his name, can you believe it? Ebert. And uh, he is one of the teenagers that came to the camp from the slum. He accepted the Lord. And he was involved with homosexualism, with drug, all this mess. But praise the Lord, now he's working with us as a staff. And he's also taking a course because he wants to teach the kids in, this, in his Islam. So that's what he's doing now. And he's already practicing teaching with the Bible club teachers so he can, you know, learn and, uh, and can help his people. And then we, I don't know if you remember Douglas, I think I talked to you about him. I played his life last time out here. I just want you to know that he's doing okay. Doga also came from homosexualism and drugs, and he accepted the Lord at the camp, and he is going to church. He has a girlfriend, and he wants to be a missionary. Praise the Lord. So this is what God has done. I'm, I can't tell you that all the kids had accepted Jesus and are living like that. We had lost many kids because they... Because of the drugs and they belong to gangs, they die very early in life. But praise the Lord, some of the kids, they are doing fine. This is some of the nights we have at the camp. And then they dress like, you know, in characters. And we, we have the worship time, of course. They love to, to praise the Lord. The Brazilian people, they are very noisy people, okay? And... Uh, this is the group of the kids that come from Islam. We always have a big group come. They come from 126, 27 to 160, 170 sometimes. And all these kids, 
come from a difficult environment, like I told you, and where they live, what they face most of the time is violence because of the drugs. Many of them get involved with drugs when they are six to seven years old, and they face also problems with um, food. They are very poor, so they don't eat. And they come to camp and they spend the week at the camp and the goal is to bring Jesus and bring hope to this kid. And then we have the ministry of visitation that we do in slums and also hospital. Just for you to understand, this is some slum houses, okay? They are, like I told you, it's a very poor places. Some of you that had come to Brazil had the chance to see these places. And we do Bible clubs in slums in the public school. Recife has... This is the metro, the number of people that we have in the metropolitan area of Recife. And we have 135 slums. And what we do, we go to the public school in these slums, talk to the um, principal, and we teach as a normal teacher, Bible club. So they let us come because they see the needs that these kids have. Of course, it's against the law. But God has opened this door so we can come and teach the kids the Bible. And many kids had come to know the Lord through this ministry. This is some of our teachers. You can see, and you can see him, the, the guy that I told you right there with the white T-shirt. Okay. So the goal of we reach now about more than 3,000 kids weekly with Bible club. But the goal is to reach more. So I ask you to keep praying that God will open more and more doors and send more and more people to help us in this ministry. And also, I have a special prayer request. I need a missionary from the state in Brazil because we want to uh, start a ministry teaching language as a, English as a second language would be something that would, be, would bring people to learn English because a lot of people are interested in learning English and they don't have money to pay to learn, so that would be a great chance. Also, I have an English camp that I, I have somebody that speaks English well to prepare the week, the teaching part, do the discipleship with the people that get saved. Anyways, it's very important to have. So it's a prayer request. So maybe, Pastor Paul, somebody from your church can be a missionary in Brazil. See? So I challenge you to pray and, and ask the Lord to send somebody to be a missionary in Brazil, okay? So this is the ministry that we do in Brazil. I want to thank you for being part of the, this ministry, your prayers, your encouragement to us, your financial support, and all that you do. And thank Steve for your kids who pray for us so faithfully. <laughs> so on the back, there is a table that I have more information about the ministry. You can get in there. I have a, a picture you can take and pray for us, pray for me. And also information. If you want to have a report from the ministry monthly, I can also send to you. You just have to write down your name and your address and your email address in capital letter, so I will understand. And I will be able to send you um, a report so you can follow the ministry and pray for us. Keep praying for us. Okay? So, I'm doing very good, Pastor Points. You have two minutes and I'm leaving, okay? <laughs> Thank you very much for letting me come, and may God bless you. And thank you very much, Pastor Paul. God bless you. Brightening our Easter Sunday night, we appreciate that. Doesn't she uh, do a lot for us? And there are praises and prayer requests that are on the screen, so be sure that you're praying for them. And uh, praise, we've been praying about the car and some other things. And the prayer requests that are there, let them focus in your mind. And we're going to take a time now to see if everyone in here can greet everyone else in the next few moments. Okay? Everyone greet everyone else. And if not, when you see the big fellow back here in the blue shirt come up here, then it's time to get back to our seats.
Right, you guys are pretty good. All right, for those of you that read the bulletin, you will see that Bill Williamson is praying tonight. But if you're observant, you'll know that I am not Bill Williamson. So, uh, but it is my privilege. I'm Scott Lowry, for those of you that don't know. Um, I'm also on the worship committee with Bill. And it is my privilege to lead us in prayer tonight. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you just for the privilege and honor it is to gather in your house to worship you on this day where we celebrate the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the precious and incredible gift that God himself came to earth in human form, lived a perfect life, died a a horrible death on the cross, and then rose again just to take away the sins of each of us. We thank you for your love for us in arranging that plan for our salvation. We just thank you for the chance to honor you tonight and pray that you will be well honored in all that we do. Lord, we thank you for Bill Williamson. We just want to pray for him tonight and all his duties at the church and teaching Sunday school and on the worship committee. We thank you for his faithfulness. And we just pray for him and his family in the days ahead that you would put a hedge of protection around him and his family as Satan will always try to attack. We just pray for him and his continued good health and faithful service to you. We pray tonight for Mike and Dee Lindsay. We thank you for the ministry that Dee has with hand evangelism. We just pray that you would give her strength and just perseverance in her work, working with handicapped campers as she prepares for handicamp and just in her work with basis and with with the Bible study groups that she's leading. Lord, we pray that you would help her and your spirit would work in the lives of those teaching with her to reach the those that the world doesn't think much about, but Lord, they're all precious to you. We just pray that you would bless her work. And also we pray tonight that you would be with Mike as he is facing surgery for the parotid gland in his jaw. Just pray that that surgery, give the doctors wisdom, that it would go well. You are the great physician and the great healer. We just pray that you would heal him and that that all would be done according to your will and that your hand would guide the whole process. We thank you also for the privilege of having Maria with us tonight. We thank you for her service to you, her enthusiasm, and all the work that she's doing with BCM in Brazil. We thank you for the, the reports of changed lives from kids and adults in Brazil that have nothing compared to what we have and all the problems and struggles that they have to overcome that most of us do not even see or have to deal with. We thank you that she is there faithfully proclaiming your word to thousands of kids on a yearly basis and doing many activities in camps and Bible clubs We thank you for those that are coming out of lifestyles that are not pleasing to you and changing their lives through you and through the power of your spirit in their lives. We just thank you that lives are really being changed. We just pray that you would bless that work, bless her needs, and provide for her the car and the workers to do your work. Lord, we pray for her request tonight that you would raise up someone to teach English from the United States, from this church, Lord, you work in mighty ways, ways that we do not know and we do not foresee, but you can do things above and beyond what we ask. We just pray that you would raise up the right person to 
meet her in that ministry with those people in Brazil. We just pray for that tonight. We pray for the offering we're about to receive. Just pray that we would give willingly and that you would bless its use for your work, both in this church, reaching the community around us, and throughout the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is your chance to plan the service. What would you like to sing, but you have to give us a verse first? Yes. Is it 390? That's one of my favorite hymns, too. Thank you for choosing that. 390, May the Mind of Christ. That's such a short verse. Do we can only just sing one? Okay, we'll just sing one. You can stay seated. favorite song? Are you just waving? (laughs) Okay. Some others. Are you not singers? Okay. You're picking these short hymns and there's not many of us, so I'm thinking maybe we should sing more than one verse. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> okay. Okay. 76, we'll do verses 1 and um, 3. song. Okay, well, we'll sing the whole thing. That'll take a little while. How can I say thanks for the things Steve.
time, yes. Two seventy. First and last, okay. Sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. Let me more of their beauty see. Wonderful words of life, words of life and beauty, teach me faith and duty, beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life, beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life, sweetly echo the gospel call wonderful words of life offer pardon and peace to all wonderful words of life jesus only savior sanctify forever beautiful words wonderful words wonderful words of Do you have a verse? <laughs> Somebody want to loan him a verse? <laughs> okay, so you got a verse by proxy. God loved us and sent his son. From First John, that sounds like an Awana verse to me. Is that an Awana verse? Okay, 425. Let's do the first two verses. Cheryl. Yep. Four fifty two. Very good. Why don't you stand for this? 
This is going to go high at the end, plus you've been sitting a while. Sing the first and the last verses. Out in the highways and byways of life, many are weary and sad. Carry the sunshine where darkness is rife, making the sorrowing glad. we have five pastors who are going to share a brief Easter thought. And some of you are saying that can't possibly be brief. We'll do our best. I'd like to ask if you'll turn with me, first of all, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And as you're turning there, just a couple of comments. Christianity rises or falls on the truth of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. If there was no resurrection of the Lord Jesus, then the Bible is bogus. None of it's true. We have no hope. We're told in 1 Corinthians over and over again about that, that we are of all men most miserable if there really wasn't a resurrection. But the resurrection of Christ is bodily, it's literal, it's real, and it's absolute. We talked this morning a little bit about evidence and faith. And when we're thinking about evidence of the resurrection upon which Christianity rises or falls, there's a whole lot of evidence. If it were a courtroom, we might call some exhibits. Exhibit A might be the stone And I can't understand why we continue to call it the stone in the translations because it's magus in the Greek language. It's a huge, huge boulder. And you've heard me speak about this and others speak about this and you've read understanding it is a huge rock. We could call another exhibit the death certificate or the certification of death authorized by Pontius Pilate. But we've got a number of individuals who are involved on that. This is the testimony of Nicodemus, the soldiers, the centurion, Joseph of Arimathea, who wrapped Jesus' body in 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes. Another exhibit could be the disciples before and after the resurrection. Before, the words that might describe them are not complimentary, deserted, fled, hid, locked doors. But after, public testimony, fearless martyrs. Another exhibit could be the safeguards, the Roman guard, the Roman seal, and you know all about these from Easter's past. The grave clothes, the orderliness of the grave clothes could be called as a fifth exhibit. The empty tomb, both the Jewish and the Roman sources acknowledge an empty tomb. And then there were the eyewitness accounts. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, 
Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. I'm going to leave out a few words here just for emphasis, and I'll please always put them back. I'm not taking away from Scripture, but if you read through here, and it says, first importance, Christ died for our sins, was buried, was raised on the third day, and then... He appeared, he appeared, he appeared, he appeared. Four times, four different groups of individuals, 500 different people, at least 557 individual appearances because some of them were duplicated and who knows how many more to the people who knew him the best and could identify that it was really him. When we think about resurrection, let's keep thinking about evidence and keep thinking about the truth, the veracity of God's word. Boy, this was fast. Okay. I'll tell you what the story was, and you tell me what happened. Two days after Palm Sunday, which was after Lazarus was resurrected, the place was Bethany. It was in the home of Simon the leper. It was in the village where Mary, Martha, Lazarus lived. People that were there were Simon the leper, Mary and Martha, Lazarus, and disciples, and they were there to have dinner with Jesus to honor him. Now, what, what was the event that took place? Say it again, Lot. No, that was after he was raised. Anybody know? Mary anointing Jesus' head and his feet with her uh, ointment, her nard the uh, very costly ointment that she had. Five key features of that story. First was Mary's action, where you just mentioned she took this flask of uh, ointment, perfumed uh, ointment, and anointed his feet, washed his feet with her hair, anointed his head with this uh, very expensive uh, perfume, and it filled the room. Everybody could smell. Everybody knew what was happening. Everybody knew what had done. The next feature of the story was what was her motivation? Her motivation was love for Christ. It's very clear in the story that Mary loved the Lord, and the reason she did this was to express her love. Another feature was opposition. Do you remember what was said and by whom? She, she, was, she was criticized, and they, the disciples said, you know, you could have taken all this and sold it and given the money to the poor. Um, but then she was vindicated by whom? Jesus. He did two things. He defended her. He said, leave her alone. She's done a beautiful thing for me. And then he commended her, and he said that she has done what she could. And as we think about it, it didn't require any great talent. She didn't have to have an education. She didn't have any training to do this. It wasn't an amazing feat. It wasn't something where she risked her life. It wasn't a lifelong effort that she had finally accomplished. She simply responded with what she had, and she performed this act of beauty for him. And then the last feature of it had to do with her reputation. What was her reputation after that? What was Mary's reputation? You know the story, don't you? Christ said, all the time that this gospel is preached forever now, this will be told of her, and she'll be considered a wonderful, loving disciple of mine because of what she's done. So why is that important to me? First of all, it's an act of service, and I'm always involved with people doing service, whether it's music or anything else. That's part of what we do is serve the Lord. And secondly, it was an act of worship. And uh, I drew some conclusions from this as, I, as I've studied it in the past, and I always think of this at Easter because it just proceeds. Jesus said, what she's done is anointed me before my burial for my burial. This was really sort of a pre-burial action on the part of Mary, an expression of her love and uh, her worship of him. So some things to draw from it for, for me, for you. One is don't stop because what we're doing seems to be a small act. Don't stop because it, we can't do what others do. Don't stop 
because we can't do what we used to be able to do. Don't stop because of the cost. Don't stop because people misjudge your motives. Don't stop because of criticism from others. And I would interject here, be very wary of criticizing other people's expressions of love and worship for the Lord. That's what was really happening here. The disciples were looking at her and said she shouldn't be doing this. And then don't stop because lack of recognition, of notice, or appreciation by others. But on the other hand, what should we do? This little story tells me that we need to do what we can. That was the Lord's words. She has done what she could and should be known for that for all of this earth's history. Also, act out of love for Jesus, regardless of the cost. Persevere in spite of criticism or opposition. And then remember that God sees and God will reward you. She did what she could. We need to do what we can to serve him and to express our worship to him. It's baseball season. Some people in this room are going to root for the Pirates. Some of us are going to be rooting for the Phillies. And I got it. I got it. We're winning. And anytime we win, we always have somebody on our team that we're always saying, he's the guy, he's the guy, he's the athlete that took us over. I'm not talking about baseball. I'm talking about life. And I want to share with you a few things. I really am thankful we talked about hymn sing tonight because I want to share some of the songs that are most dearest to me tonight. Four of them to be exact. But before we go there, I want to look at Philippians chapter 2. And Paul says this about our champion. Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that in the name of Jesus, that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. When Jesus rose from the tomb, he proved the victory over sin, he proved the victory over death. And we're looking forward to a celebration. If, by chance, the Phillies win the World Series, we'll have a great celebration here. And there'll be great pomp and ceremony. But I want to share with you the ceremony we're going to have in heaven. And that's found in Revelation chapter 4 and 5. In chapter 4, the setting is set. It's in the throne room of God. And there's four living creatures flying with six wings above the throne. And they're singing a song. It's a short song. It's what they're singing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And then to those four, four creatures, there's 24 elders that are added. And they jump in and they become, they start singing in the celebration and they sing this. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Now you've got 28 people singing, and God adds to that a hundred or thousands and thousands of angels. I really appreciate what, um, what Nancy asked to sing, over a thousand voices to sing. This is what happens when thousands and thousands of angels get involved in singing. They sing this. Uh, I, should, I should take that back. I'm, not, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. We actually have 24 and, and four, 28 people singing this song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and your blood, with your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. And then the thousands of angels get together and says, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power 
and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Can you imagine that? Sitting in a throne room with millions of angels sitting there and 24 elders and four creatures. How can it get any better? But it does. Listen what happens next. He says, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in, the, in, in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. What a celebration we have to look forward to because Christ died on the cross and rose again. I don't know about you, but I can't wait to see that celebration and sing those songs and be a part of this celebration. For the record, Pastor Paul, it's a little unnerving having you sitting right behind me. You could at least every now and then throw out an amen or a preach or something if you're going to sit there. Um, one of the things Pastor Paul does not like to do when we do this is, is coordinate what we're going to say. And so, uh, so this morning in the sunrise service, he tried to steal my devotional thought for tonight. Then Dr. I tried to do the same thing, but I'm still going there. We're still going to, uh, to Luke chapter 7 a little bit as we've been talking today about the woman who, who wet Jesus' feet with her tears as she wept and wiped them clean with her hair. She, she was so overcome with her sin in the presence of Jesus that she couldn't stop weeping. And as she wept, her tears did what the host of the dinner, a Pharisee, neglected to do, and that was clean Jesus' feet. And we read that account in Luke chapter 7 and, and verse 39. It says, when the, now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And answering, and Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, he answered, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And during this Easter season, I wonder sometimes if the reason that we aren't more passionate about living in obedience to Christ, if the reason that we aren't more passionate about sharing Christ with others is because we don't see ourselves as sinful as we really are. And I think that if we really understood the depth of God's love, if we really understood the depth of our sin and how much has been forgiven us, we'd be more compelled to not only live for Christ but to go and tell others and that's what 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 21 says to us. And Pastor Paul touched on this this morning as well. In the passage, we have the gospel clearly spelled out in addition to our response to the good news. It says, for the love of Christ controls us. Uh, other translations say compels us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, 
not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I like the way a couple of authors in in a book that I'm reading entitled Life on Mission put it. They say, historically, during a time of war, kings set off to battle for their people against the given enemy. If the king was defeated, his people would either become slaves or the enemy to be killed. Messengers would run back to the city yelling, run for your lives. However, when the king and his soldiers triumphed, he would send back a messenger to let the people know that the enemy had been defeated. The messenger would yell, good news, good news. This could have literally meant freedom from impending slavery or death. This news from the messenger is the same word we now use as the word gospel, which in its simplest form means good news. The message of King Jesus is the gospel. Our king has gone before us and defeated the enemy, therefore imparting to us victory over the slavery of sin and death. This is no everyday good news. This has been life, this is life altering good news. And we who have been reconciled to God have now been given the privilege of spreading this news, this good news, to a world that is in desperate need of it. turn to Exodus chapter 12. The key to this is pick something you know they won't pick. (laughs) Most of you understand, you understand that Jesus was sacrificed during Passover. And of course, that's an important picture, isn't it? The unblemished Lamb of God on the cross during the time of Passover and they would bring their lambs, and they'd look back to the story in Exodus 12. First five verses, and then verse 13. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can, each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then verse 13, you know what they did with it. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And this is the picture we think about with Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, don't we? The blood paying the penalty for the sin. They did all that was necessary by putting the blood of that unblemished lamb on the doorpost. And the death angel passed over. And so remember John the Baptist, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But if you notice as I read those first six verses, there's something you may not have picked out. Verse 3, On the tenth day they took the lamb to their father's houses. And verse 6, They kept it until the fourteenth day. Why Why did God have them keep that lamb for four days? You ever think about that? What happens in your house when a new young animal comes in? Remember, this is a year-old lamb, puppy, kitten. What happens immediately? Is there an immediate attachment to that animal? You spend all your time caring for that animal, taking care of that animal. It's almost a 24-7 job, isn't it? And so God has them take this lamb into their house so it immediately becomes personal. The focus is no longer them. The focus is the lamb. They have to take care of this lamb for four days. And now it's possessive. It's not just the lamb. It's their lamb. It's our lamb. 
It's my lamb. And think how much more painful it would be that you had to sacrifice and kill your lamb and then eat the flesh of that lamb later. What's that sound like? Communion, doesn't it? Take my flesh and eat of it. And so this is now personal. It's now painful. And you say, what's that got to do with Easter? Well, I wonder how many times Easter becomes impersonal to us. And we forget to think of Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world, as my Lamb. And we forget the pain that my sin crucified my Lamb. Some of you have heard the phrase, if I was the only person who ever lived, Jesus would have died for me. Have you ever heard that? And that statement's true, but you realize if that were true, you'd have to crucify your Lamb. And that's what we did, didn't we? Isaiah 53, 5, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed because he's our lamb. conclude by singing just a chorus of a hymn that's in our hymnal 105. You probably know the chorus even without looking at it. He is Lord, He is Lord, He is risen from the dead, and He is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Then let's sing it again and just sing it. He's my Lord, He's my Lord, He is risen from the dead, and He's my Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. 105, just the chorus, uh, Dr. Wright. Let's stand as we sing it. Father, we thank you again for that which you brought to our attention throughout this entire weekend and past week, in fact. We've been hearing a lot about your love and serving you because we love you. We've been hearing a lot about how personal you are to us. May we, in turn, have that same personal relationship with you and recognize what a great God you are and how much you desire to have us when we sing, walk with him and talk with him, to really do that. So thank you as we enter now into soon into the post-Easter time of this year that we won't forget what it is that you've placed on our hearts and you'll help us to be true servants of yours, good worshipers, and those who share the good news about Jesus with others. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.